0: And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mine, a podcast about maternal mental health, from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Today, we have Crystal Clancy on our episode. Crystal is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a private practice in Burnsville, Minnesota. She specializes in perinatal mental health, stillbirth and pregnancy loss, and infertility. She is a co director and one of the founding members of Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota, which is also the Minnesota chapter of Postpartum Support International. Thank you so much for being here, Crystal.
1: Thank you. Very excited. I'm
0: yeah, I'm excited too. Um, so please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this
1: work. I had my own uh, postpartum experience back in 2005 um, after the birth of my second child. And I did not have any issues after the birth of my first. And that's a question that I always get. Um, uh-huh. and, and at that time, I was already in grad school. I had actually completed all of my schooling, all of my internship. And two weeks before she was born, had taken my federal exam. So oh. thank God, because afterward, I was not in any shape to be doing any of that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it all works for a reason. Um, anyway, so I, I was already on my way to becoming a therapist. And I had always had, I went through infertility with my first. And so that was an interest for me and grief and loss. Um, but then after going through postpartum depression, going, um, getting my first clinical job, uh, I, I met with some other mental health professionals who also had a similar interest and recognition that there were no no awesome resources in mm-hmm. our area for this topic. And so we very grassroots for several years, sat around a table, met once a month, and formed um, Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota, and which I'll just call PPSM going forward because it's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, and it took um, quite some time. Um, so that was in 2006 that that formed, and we were founded. Um, Suzanne Swanson, who's a psychologist in St. Paul, she spearheaded that whole effort. But there were a group of um, six of us who, who met every month, got that going. Uh, in 2010, we developed um, – uh, I was the co-developed, co-developer of the Helpline, which was the first uh, one-to-one peer support model in the state for – Perinatal wow. mental health. So it was very exciting. Um, it, it, you know, we've had our challenges along the way. Uh, in 2014, um, Lisa Cross and I became the co-directors of the organization after Suzanne retired. Mm-hmm. And so since then, w- that's been us. We've just been really working hard to uh, find out what resources there are, work to develop more, build a volunteer network, um, and, and continue with the peer support helpline.
0: Wow. Um, so just between the two of you, you guys are making this happen and then volunteers?
1: Well, there's, we still have a steering committee of six. So, um, you know, Lisa and I are the co-directors, but we still have a core group of six of us who run, you know, we all have, um, We've become more like a real organization where we all have different roles. Now we have a volunteer coordinator, we have a membership coordinator, we have so we all have um, actual roles where kind of everybody has their thing. Um, And so, but the focus is um, perinatal mental health, and yes, and then and then volunteers that help us out with events, with um, outreach, things like that.
0: Well, that's great. So you must be seeing um, a lot of people are coming to you then uh, since your organization has been able to grow.
1: Yeah. You must be helping a lot of people. I'd like to think so. <laughs> and then we've built a really great network of provider resources that we have um, listed on our website That uh, that we've had providers who either we've met with that have been working in this area, or we've had providers who've approached us wanting more training that we've created trainings for. So yeah, it's it's definitely growing. We are still pretty limited to the Twin Cities area. That's definitely still an issue to not have enough resources in outstate areas, but you know, long-term goal to do that. Right.
0: Okay, great. I'm so glad to hear that you guys are doing the work and, and I know you know every state and every city needs their own local support and it sounds like you guys are really the support there in that area, mm. which, is, which is really great. So today I'd love to talk to you about screening for depression and screening for other things, um, maternal mental health related and why that's important and how it works and, and all the nuts and bolts of screening. If you can, um, give our listeners uh, kind of an intro into the screening process.
1: Sure. So the reason why this is an important topic is because there has been a huge discussion about the importance of screening um, pregnant and new moms, but also dads, which is a whole different show. Um, And... And so we've come far enough now that the American College of Gynecologists is recommending screening. The pediatric American Pediatric Associations are recommending screening. However, when we look at how often screening is even happening, the statistics are dismal. There there are very few providers well, I shouldn't say very few, but statistically it, it's not as much as as we would like to see providers who are actually screening for a variety of reasons and mm-hmm. um and, and again this is just it's such a new area that that we really need to be focusing on and and also not just not just hammering it home to providers that they need to be screening but also educating You know the users of medical services, which is everybody, um, and a lot of pregnant women and postpartum parents, um, that they need to be advocating and and telling their doctor that Mm. something is up. I was not screened, and that's not okay. And so that's really the only way that things are going to change, in my opinion, is if we work together to speak up about it.
0: So in terms of the screening itself. What does that look like? What, what How much time would it take a mom or a provider to oh, – well, first, how much time would it take a provider to, to give the screen and, and someone to fill it out and stuff like that? Yeah,
1: that's a really great question because typically, just like with any other screen, most most people will say now when they go to the doctor even just for a – annual checkup. They'll get some kind of a little depression screening. Um, it's just becoming standard practice, which is great. So specifically for perinatal, um, the screening is very similar. It's, you know, anywhere from two to 10 questions, typically providers give it to the person, um, to fill out in the waiting room. So it's more, you know, again, depending on variations, language barriers, um, cognitive delays, depression, all of that, it could take a little bit longer to fill out the assessment. But most people, it just seems to take a few minutes to mm-hmm. to go through the questions. They're multiple choice. Um, as far as providers, then they don't, that way, if they do it that way, they don't need to be spending time during the session doing the actual mm-hmm. screening. They can spend time looking it over and having a dialogue with their patient about it. Um, which more often than not is not happening. So there again, it just emphasize that this really even if there is an issue, it isn't the screening itself is not something that needs to take a lot of time.
0: Okay, so there's a couple different kinds of screens out there. If a provider were listening and thinking, oh, "Okay, maybe I should think about screening, what is this thing? Where would they find them?"
1: Google, (laughs) and it's it's Uh that's the the, you know screening again is not an exact science. Um, Some providers will say we're just using the PHQ two, which is two questions about depression. Um, Some of them use the PHQ nine, which is nine questions. But the one specifically that's the most validated for perinatal is the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale, which is free. Um, You can print it off online, Um, and you don't have to be a doctor or or a healthcare provider to do that. If you're um, a mom or a dad or worried about someone who just had a baby or is pregnant, you can go online and Google this assessment and click on the checklist, and there are even some online. A lot of them are just PDFs that you can print off, but some of them are click boxes where it will give you a score and just kind of say, oh, you know, you're kind of on the border. You should be concerned, blah, blah, blah. So um, I really like It's so accessible. It's just people, I think they just don't know that it's out there.
0: This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted? The Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the Era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods.
2: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter-Free, It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So, join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Uh,
0: right, that's true. Um, so, it's imp- that's why I think it's important for us to be talking about it and for you to to kind of give it a, a breakdown so that. It is more accessible, just even in our minds, but also to know that it's it's literally on the internet for free. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> and you don't have to be a doctor to understand it. You know, you can print it off, and right. anyone can do it.
0: So, in terms of the kinds of questions that it's asking, what are what are they geared
1: towards? So the the with the Edinburgh more specifically, most of the questions are about how you've been doing since having the baby. So again, mm-hmm. sometimes the language needs to be tweaked if someone is still pregnant if, um, or if there's been a loss. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. I will just give it verbally and tweak the questions. But again, you can, you can do that on your own as well. But the questions are asking things about, have you felt sad or depressed? Have you felt like things are not as enjoyable? Do you feel like you're not really enjoying your baby. Um, and then, you know, they ask things about sleep. They ask um, even, you know, getting to question number 10, which asks about if you're having any thoughts about hurting yourself or thoughts of death. I'm trying to remember the exact wording. But it's it's assessing for safety concerns, which, you know, unfortunately some moms do experience. And so it's a really important it's not perfect, but it's it's the best of what we have to get to get a conversation started.
0: Right. I, and I think that's a good point. It's kind of getting a, an idea of what's going on to get the conversation started, but this isn't doesn't mean a diagnosis. Right. It doesn't mean something specifically. It's like a heads up.
1: Yes. And that also connects well with the being aware of that the screening is just one piece. I know so many moms who I've worked with who have said yeah, my OB gave me a screening, but we never talked about it. And oh. um, even if they measured high on it, that there was a concern. If they the the borderline is ten, and so if they scored above a ten, you know they they're my doctor never mentioned that, or you know um, they just mm. put it in my chart. Uh, and so there again, that's the also the important piece of taking the time to just look it over. And even when I do that with clients, I. I don't necessarily go question by question. I may look at it and say, oh, you know, it says here that you may not be enjoying things the way that you once did. What does that mean to you? Um, Mm -hmm. Or I always ask about the safety as well, even if they say no. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times moms will say, I I lied. I lied on that assessment. Um, But they also will often say, um, no I I don't want I don't want to hurt myself and I don't want to die but I've had thoughts about um, running away and never coming back or I've had thoughts like if I went to bed tonight and just died in my sleep that would really be okay and so mm-hmm. you know saying okay so they're not actively suicidal <laughs> however mm-hmm. they still do not they're not enjoying this at all they're right. they're needing some extra support and um and, and just need a place to be able to say those things, and um, and again, so that that's a, just a, one example of why it's important to have that dialogue.
0: For some providers, uh, anyways, and and what from what I've heard, um, say, well, there's just not enough time, mm-hmm. or there's there's some kind of excuse for why they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. this. What well, what would you say to that?
1: I would say. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. Again, the screening itself can be done prior to the session. There could be a couple highlights from the assessment touched on that should be being asked in a postpartum visit anyway. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times with postpartum moms, I even, you know, I used to just pop into a mom's group that ran in my office. I wasn't running it, but it would be going on and I'd just pop out and and just say hi to the new moms. And how are you doing? And out would come the tears, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean they're clinically depressed, but again, it doesn't take much to get, get it going sometimes. Um, So, As far as time, I do think a couple options would be to say it really does not, again, it doesn't take that much time, but it also, Mm -hmm. um, you can't afford not to do it because if your patient leaves and something bad happens, which is a, a, a risk, um, you're liable for that. That's that's one thing. I mean, the the unfortunate hard part of being a, a healthcare provider. But the other part is also you can also put a different system in place so that if you don't have time during that actual session to talk about it, um, some clinics will do something like have another staff member who uh, says, you know, do you could you stay a couple minutes after? There's a couple questions on here that concern me, and I just would like you to talk with someone here about that. Um, or could I, um, I know one OB clinic that um, does follow-up phone calls. And so they'll say if they have a high screen, you know, they'll say, you know, could could I have my my nurse call you tomorrow and just talk with you about a couple things on here? Because, you know, I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but I want to make sure that we address this because it concerns me. So even just letting them know that, you know, many, many moms will feel dismissed by yeah. By um, being screened and nothing being done with it, which also, so to um, to the defense of the providers, when they're asked why they don't screen, it's not always about time. A lot of times it's about, I don't know where to send them if there is a problem. And if they don't live in an area mm-hmm. where there's a lot of resources or any resources for that matter, they say there's an ethical dilemma with screening and then saying oh have a nice day mm-hmm. sorry you're feeling like hurting yourself you know so it is oh, it's a big right. it's a systemic issue it's not just a one part you know i don't i don't want people to hear that this is all the doctor's fault and problem to fix so again it's why we need right. to all be right. a village of how can we fix this
2: problem
0: so in part uh, reflecting back on some of the work that you do in your local area then you you have a resource list you yes. have provided you have yeah. people to refer We're to lucky. on a list and, and in conjunction with postpartum support international since you guys are also a chapter of them then you also have access to this bigger broader support system internationally mm-hmm. if that's needed but at least you guys in your area are an organization that people yes. can reach out to.
3: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects.
4: Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clux. You've come to the right place.
0: And even say maybe, oh, well, I don't know what to do with this um, patient.
1: Right. Please and help. and I mean, I think, I really honestly think there's no excuse. Even if you live in a rural area where you cannot think of a single therapist that has worked with postpartum depression or anxiety or loss or whatever, um, or the mom doesn't have transportation, um, there are still resources. There are Home visitors. There are support groups, um, like again, our peer support. Most people do have access to a phone these days. Everybody, mm-hmm. no, but most yeah. people do have access to a phone. Not everyone has access to the internet, but if they do, again, there are right. online support group options. There are there are options that are available to most people. So, even if you may not live in an area where that face to face is abundant, (laughs) there's still something that Mm -hmm. you can do. And and often even just validating mom, it's amazing how many, and I don't you probably experience this too, but um, how many moms from session one to session two come in and they say, I feel better just because you told me I'm not going crazy or because you told me that I'm not a bad mom or because you told me that I'm not going to feel this way forever. So sometimes even just mm-hmm. having anybody say to them, we're going to get you through this. This is temporary. It might be all they need. Yes.
0: Right. Uh, oh, that's so true. It does. It happens mm-hmm. all of the time. And and so I think then the screening could have a really positive impact that way that uh, I think you mentioned, you yeah. know, some moms do lie. And even for my own situation, I took a PHQ-9 mm-hmm. and I lied about <laughs> how bad I was feeling. And it's very easy to not yeah. be honest with the provider and, and sometimes with ourselves, really, that it's hard to admit mm-hmm. that things aren't going well. And so what would be the benefit for a mom for filling this out honestly and uh, for herself or as truthfully yeah, as So possible? the
1: benefit would be even just speaking your truth of letting somebody know, someone that you hopefully can trust, um, how you're doing mm-hmm. and it's still, you still have power to make a decision about what happens from there. You know, um, yeah, I think a lot of a people fear, you know, if I tell them I'm depressed, they're going to make me take pills or make me go to therapy or, wow. um, you know, if I'm having scary right. thoughts, they're going to take my kids away. Um, so again, they're of, of just knowing that that's, that's not always the case. I also could comment on the flip side of that, of, of, Uh, well, so what if I take it and I lie, you know, well then what's the point of screening Mm -hmm. if I'm just going to lie? And Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could speak to this as well. There's so many moms that I've worked with who have said, yeah, I lied, but just because it was put out there, um, I still took that home and digested it and kind Mm -hmm. of recognized that there was something going on. And so sometimes you plant seeds or sometimes it, it, helps them have a conversation with their partner about how they're doing Um, or Mm -hmm. a friend or a family member or someone just saying, Oh yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm not okay.
0: That is such a great point. Uh, And you made me even reflect on my own experience too with that, that, that was, that was a thought that occurred to me. Like I can't answer these questions Mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. and What's that about? Uh, And I did take it back with me and that was part of, you know, part of my own process of kind of putting the pieces in place because I didn't know what was going on at the time. But that that is such a good point that the transformation and the understanding doesn't necessarily need to happen in the yeah. doctor's office. And you might not get exactly what you need in that doctor's office, but if you can know a little bit more for yourself yeah. what's going on, wow.
1: Yeah. And even how validating one. it is that Obviously, this is a problem for a lot of people. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a whole screening tool that asks these questions, right? Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. There is a whole screening tool. It's been around yeah. for a little while, yeah.
1: Too. And it's not perfect. Again, uh, back to that, like it does not it does not do nearly enough to address other issues. I mean, how many moms have we worked with? It would be interesting, you know, to with listeners too to to just say, I wasn't depressed. But I wasn't sleeping or I was having obsessive thoughts or scary thoughts right. or um you know I worried all the time or um you know things like that that mm-hmm. but they weren't depressed.
0: They could have either been not depressed at all or a mild <laughs> mildly having having mild symptoms yeah. or anxious. Um the screening doesn't always pick no, up on the anxiety. No. And, th-
1: and that's that's one of the pitfalls of screening and why it's also important to not just give moms the screening and not have a conversation about it. Um, because you yeah. can, even without having the perfect screening tool, you can still incorporate questions into your dialogue. So, for example, if it's asking about sleep, which is kind of a dumb question anyways. I always get a laugh out of that. Like, I just had a baby. Of course, I'm not sleeping, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but of even like, so tweaking how the question is asked, but of if if they're anxious, of saying, so... When you're, you know, if you get up with baby in the middle of the night and feed him or her, um, when you go back to bed, are you able to fall back asleep pretty quickly? That tells a lot mm-hmm. right there about anxiety. You know, right away, you might have a mom who's yeah. like, no, I get up five times to make sure they're still breathing. You know, and oh, right. okay. Or, or they might say, no, it takes me a while. Well, why is that? Well, because I lay there worried about if they're breathing. Um, and so I have to, sometimes I have to get up and check if, if that's the case. And, Mm -hmm. and so again, just kind of like you would not get at that information just by going, just by saying, oh, thank you for doing this screening.
0: It sounds like the most important pieces are, are offering the screening, giving the screening, uh, for, this is for providers is to give the screen, um, and have one or two resources on hand to refer a mom to. But after you give the screen to ask some follow-up questions or at least address it on some level, like I see that some of these symptoms are are bothering you, do you feel like you need help, or something, uh, you know, to, to follow up so that a mom doesn't feel right like, looked over. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those, those seem to be the, the most important parts. And then for the moms who, who do take the screens, You mentioned before that there are some moms who go into an office and they're not screened. They're not even asked the question. And uh, I think part of your suggestion was to to be an Mm -hmm. advocate for yourself, um, to have your providers be asking Mm -hmm. these questions. Um, What are the kinds of things that a mom could Put, could take into her pediatrician's office or OB's office to, to help them start screening? They,
1: I think even just um, downloading the screen themselves and saying, here's how I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, which I know I'm probably sounding a little like Pollyanna here because anybody listening saying, okay, so when I was depressed, I know I wasn't thinking, I'm going to look on Google and I'm going to print off this checklist and bring it to my mm-hmm. doctor. So I know that sounds that does sound a little unrealistic, I admit. So I do think a lot of a lot of advocacy happens in hindsight, which, um, Mm -hmm. again, I know this is something that is years in the making of look how far we've come, but we still have yet so far to go. Um, In hindsight, or partners also are a huge piece of this because a lot of times partners are the ones who bring it to people's attention and say, you know, I'm kind of worried about you. That also leads into a discussion about pediatrician screening because partners are often a part of that Mm -hmm. conversation, that first well check as well. So it gives a chance to address it. But Um, again, how can, so back to kind of the question of how can moms advocate for themselves, especially when they're feeling depressed or anxious of just kind of knowing, I I feel like a lot of times we, as women, we know ourselves so well, but we don't listen to our gut. And if your gut is telling you, this is not me, or this is not what I envisioned it being like, and I am just not okay with that. That's a sign right there. Mm -hmm. Does it mean you're, we're going to slap a label on you? No, not necessarily, but it, it probably means you could use some support, you know, even if that's, even if that's a mom's group or calling up, I mean, I was so, I was so lucky in my experience that, um, You know, I had a friend who had recently had a baby, you know, six months before me. So I could call her and say, is this normal? (laughs) You know, and she'd be like, no, it's not. Or yes, it is. And so like, who do you have in your life? Um, that can kind of be that voice of reason maybe it's a sister maybe it's a friend maybe it's a mom's group maybe it's the nurse line you know so find someone that you can just say i I just am really questioning don't don't ignore your gut mm-hmm.
0: that is a great great point and I agree with you that we we very often do and it's I think you brought up another good point that it's not that you know either you take one of these, Screens, or you have a symptom and of something, and that means you have this full blown thing, like you know, that's portrayed in the media. Yeah. Dun, yep. dun, like she has this. It's right. a, there's a spectrum, there's there's there are mild symptoms, and moderate symptoms, and very severe symptoms of each thing that a mom could be experiencing. And um, it, it doesn't look the same right. for everybody, and not
1: everybody needs medication, oh. and not everybody. You know, very few moms end up having to go to the hospital. So again, like I, I do know that a lot of moms, myself included, um, don't speak up out of fear. And so, if that is another thing that we can take away from today, is that um, screening and speaking up should not be. Um, you know, if you feel afraid of that, usually that's that's an irrational fear response. That's a kind of, that's your anxiety or depression speaking saying, oh, worst case scenario. More more often than not, yeah. we ask the questions, we get you the support you need. And, and it usually does not go down that path of the awful things that your brain is telling you. That's so true.
0: That's so true. Okay. So anything else, uh, or have we covered all of the, The main topics of screening. Yeah, I
1: think you know. Again, I don't know what more I would say about the um, just the lack of anxiety and trauma questions and anything like that. That's probably would get too wordy.
0: Yeah. So, so most of these screens are are essentially built for screening Mm -hmm. depression. Uh, They may pick up on some anxiety, but it it doesn't pick up on all of the aspects of a mom's experience. It's just a way of kind of getting a snapshot of what, what might be happening and then an indicator that to to Mm -hmm. look a little bit deeper. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Hopefully, hopefully some folks who are listening will consider uh, including screening in their, in their offices or in their practice, just to, to be getting a, a deeper look at the women who are already coming in, who are already there right in front of you. And I thank you so much, Crystal, for being here with us today and sharing this information and being an advocate for moms and all the work that you do. And you
1: as well. Thank you for having me.
0: By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom & Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com, where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community.
3: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning